As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, it's Ashley. And it's Brittany. Welcome to More Than a Season podcast. Yeah, welcome. You are officially a playmaker if you are here. So we are glad to have you. And we have a very amazing community here at More Than a Season. And so if you are new, of course, welcome. Feel free to follow us on all social media channels. We are on TikTok, Pinterest, anything you can think of, really, Mm -hmm. Twitter, Instagram. So we have a lot of fun on all those platforms. But make sure you give us a follow and share with a friend. Yeah, you can find out a lot more information about things that we have going on, especially on Instagram. We are probably the most active there, but we are just so excited that you have decided to become a part of our community. And if you are an OG, of course, you know already that we love you. We are excited you're here. And we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about what we have going on because, of course, December is always crazy for everyone across the board, not just us in the sports industry. Yeah, we were just talking before we started courting and we were like, wow, December and early January is going to be a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot. So for us uh, in the football industry, specifically college, we have bowl games coming up. And so we will be traveling to Tampa for... Mm -hmm. A long time, actually. Yeah, we're there for a week, which is kind of crazy. The last couple bowl games that we've been to together, we've been there for only a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we will be in the lovely world of Tampa, soaking up the sun. But before that, we're going our separate ways uh, to travel home for the holidays, which we are very thankful because in the past, we have been gone on Christmas, but not this year. Yeah, I'm so excited. Even though it's only a couple of days, I'm like, I got the matching Christmas pajamas all ready to go. We are going to have a great time. And my dad is convinced. We're going to show Drew what a real Christmas is like because he grew up in the bull world. So he doesn't know what a real Christmas is like. (laughs) Yes. The matching PJs you have to share with everybody because I was new to Brittany's tradition of the matching PJs until we went to a bowl game together a couple (laughs) years ago. But she's not kidding. They really do have matching PJs. Those were my most comfortable ones. I'm not going to lie. I still wear those (laughs) to this day. They're so cozy. But, you know, we just started that tradition like a few years ago as we kind of got older. The kids got older because we used to do like when you're a kid, you always want to open a present before Christmas. So on Christmas Eve, all of our parents would let us open a present. So then as we got older, I was like, how will we do like jammies? So it's still something like fun, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a present. So or kind of is a present, I guess. Yeah. So walk us through what does Christmas look like for you this year? 
Oh, Christmas is going to be amazing. So so Paddington and I are going to be flying to Boston. My family, my parents are going to be there. My brother moved to Australia. So this is, he's missing out this year. I told them, sorry about you, but I'm going to be an only child this year. So (laughs) we, my cousins and I are all like pretty close in age. So a couple of them are my brother's age and a couple of them are my age. And then we all like take Christmas very seriously. So we are having a huge Christmas Eve party. We're doing like a Yankee swap which is basically like a white elephant. Gets aggressive. Yeah. And then on Christmas Day, we wake up early. We open one. We open our stockings and one present, and then we eat breakfast. And then my uncle makes a big breakfast. And then throughout the day, we open presents very slowly. We make it last the entire day. Wow. So you don't sit around and you open all in the morning. Mm -mm. It's like whenever you feel like it, or is there rules to opening the presents? We make it last all day. So you can go and pick up. You're like, "Mm, I feel like opening one now. So you could just make it happen. No, we all sit there and we watch everyone (laughs) open presents. So some people (laughs) might hate that, but I love it because it makes it last so much longer and there's not anything to do on Christmas day mm-hmm. so like it's kind of fun just being able to hang out with each other and like open presents and oh what'd you get you know it's kind of fun to get to see what everyone gets and so we kind of go around and like everyone gets open but my brother is always like the the naughty kid that like tries to open <laughs> his presents like super fast so it'll be interesting <laughs> that he's not here this year and uh Drew gets to take his place so his place we'll for see. now mm-hmm. yeah we're going to Texas uh since Carson's family lives in Texas and then mine do as well we split it all up so it's going to be a chaotic 48 <laughs> hours but we're going to make it work so we're going to start our journey in Grapevine Texas um and his family is very similar they do all their presents one by one I was not aware Ashley's not a fan <laughs> well and I just just all eyes on me opening a gift I was just like man but yes we go one by one and we go around the circle you do not skip that is a no-no uh-huh. but it does last like all day yeah and so we do that and we do the normal carriage ride through downtown Dallas so that is a tradition they always do all the family gets together and they do a carriage ride and then um, on Christmas day we will go to my parents and Alan and and do all Christmas all over again. And since my siblings will be there, it'll be really, really great. But my brother, speaking of opening presents, your brother goes fast. My brother likes to take his sweet time and it drives us insane <laughs> he makes sure that the tape does not rip he like sticks his fingers under the edge like yeah. really cherishes mm-hmm. oh the paper. i love that i love that <laughs> i, I get along. live for that i'm like yes please yes. let me be able to use this wrapping paper again that's like that's your goal <laughs> yes and my so my sisters i don't know if y'all know this but they're identical twins and so a lot of the time their gifts are very similar so we make them turn back to back so they can't face each other when opening gifts because if one girl grabs a gift Mm. and the other one hasn't opened it yet they'll be like look what I got and then the other one will look and be like oh I gotta find that gift because they know that usually it's two of everything so So your parents just buy two of everything it's usually (laughs) for like fun big gifts that's usually what it is but like for clothes not so much but growing up they used to cheat and one would open and then the other would be like oh where's mine that looks like that and then they'd go (laughs) find it so yes a little chaotic with the present opening oh I love present opening (laughs) oh it just makes me so excited I love Christmas so much and then you know just being in your pjs and then i just love opening gifts that are clothes i always ask for clothes for christmas my mom's actually pretty good at buying me clothes and it's always fun to like try on clothes i just feel like because the Mm -hmm. day is 
I mean, there's nothing else to do but hang with your family. It's just so special to like spend that time together. We always play cards. Like my aunt, and my uncle, and my other cousins come over. And my grandpa comes over, and we play cards. And, and I just feel like it's just fun to like get to hang out when you don't usually slow down like that. Yeah, we're a dominoes family. We definitely break out the dominoes. So that will be Carson had to be initiated. So in the beginning, when we were dating, fun fact, and then we won't keep y'all all day long. <laughs> I promise. But he did not know how to play, and so we bought a set, and I taught him how to play because we don't mess around like you do not have time to think about your next move it is fast like you lay the next domino down like he had, so, to, do, he had to do training courses yes, he had to do training <laughs> yes and so I was like okay it's like three seconds I was like you can't take that long to put your domino down so now he's routined he's he's good he's got it he's got it so he feels confident in his ability to keep up so I don't think I've ever played dominoes so you might have to train me yes I'll train you that'll be Maybe our bowl this, game yeah, this bowl game bowl game game <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of travel coming up, so we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that. But just to let you know, we will not be having this is our last episode of the year. We will not be doing any podcast episodes for the last two weeks of December and the first week of January. We will be back January 9th, the week of January 9th on that Friday instead of Wednesday. And then we will back to regularly scheduled programming after that. But we are going to be taking a little bit of a break to soak up the time with our family and just kind of enjoy the holidays. And we hope y'all do too. So just a reminder, we will remind you on all the social platforms as well, but just to let you know here. Yeah, and our in-person event, please come. It is in Charlotte, North Carolina, January 8th through 10th. Uh, you can pick the link in our bio, and it has all the information there. But this is our daily reminder <laughs> for you to sign up. So please, please come. And y'all are going to love this episode today with Colleen. She really does share her heart of, about their journey from even playing in college to NFL to coaching in college and what a whirlwind it was. And then she also has published three children's books so what a journey to share yes she is just so well-spoken just kind of lays it to you straight and tells you exactly what it was like in all these different experiences and it kind of gives you insight into those different worlds if you're not from the, those worlds or maybe you can relate if you are and so we know you guys will enjoy this episode and we will see you on the other side Hello. Welcome back, everybody. We're excited for another interview this week. Yeah, it's a crazy time of the year for us football ladies, but we had to fit in another interview because as we're rounding out the year, we really thought this one was special. So we're excited for y'all to hear. We won't spoil the surprise, though. We'll toss it on over to her and let her introduce herself. Hi, everybody. My name is Colleen Thomas, currently living right outside of Clemson, South Carolina, where my husband is a First year in um, college football coaching. I'm born and raised in Massachusetts. Traveled down to Clemson for college, which is how we ended up here. I have three kids. Mary Kate is five years old. Layla is three years old. And we have our son, RJ, who is almost two years old. I work full time from home. I work for a nonprofit based out of California, it's a STEM education nonprofit that focuses on ensuring that students all have equal opportunity to go into STEM fields and STEM careers. So I've been doing that for the last eight years while managing my husband's crazy football life. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's a lot to manage. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, your own schedule, his schedule, lots of things. So first we like to back it up. We like to hear how y'all met and give us the story. We love the juicy details. 
<laughs> sure, sure. So um, as I mentioned, I'm born and raised in Massachusetts, small, small little town. Um, I will say football like really didn't exist. I mean, we had, you know, the Patriots being in New England, but my high school didn't even have a football team. Yeah. So I grew up a big hockey fan going to hockey games. When it time came time for college, I knew I had to kind of, you know, leave New England, experience something different. So that's where I stumbled upon Clemson University, where I majored in chemical engineering and obviously became a huge football fan. Going to a big college football school, you can't help but fall in love with the game and the culture and the atmosphere. So I believe it was my junior year in college. Time's kind of fuzzy now, but um, junior year in college is where I first met my husband. We had a mutual friend. Um, and if we want to get juicy details, we had a mutual friend who introduced me to my husband, Brandon. And that friend kind of distanced herself from me. And I was like, well, Brandon will know why. And so oddly enough, I'd reached out to him and we were, you know, kind of chatting super platonic. We never had sushi before. So I'm like, oh, like, let's go get sushi. I love sushi. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, he's going to tell me why this friend like doesn't really want to be my friend anymore. Right. Cause she separated herself and long story short, never figured out why he didn't know. Either. She kind of distanced herself from everybody. So that's okay. But through that, Brandon and I went to sushi and didn't have any intention of thinking anything more than a friend of him. And that whole time at sushi, I'm like, this guy, I mean, I really enjoy my time with this guy. We, we were there for hours and leaving that I was like, there's something different about him. There's something special. So that's kind of how it all started. That was gosh, over, over a decade ago. So oh, we've been a I lot of places. That. since then. But yeah. That's a fun story. I love that's that. Fun. No, that is a sweet story. I, I always wonder though, with being at Clemson, going to school there. So was he already involved in football at that point? And so this is where the journey began where you're like, wow, this is different than what <laughs> I even thought. Yes. Yeah, so he was already involved. So when we started dating, I believe he played two seasons while we were together before graduating and moving on to the NFL. And we can go through all those stages. But when he was just a student athlete, I mean, he was just that a student athlete. So, you know, he still had his life. I still had my life. And yes, he was busy with busy schedules. But I don't think I was ever thinking like, okay, what does this mean long term? And, you know, if we were to continue this relationship, which obviously we did, um, I don't think I ever kind of thought about, wow, what a big commitment or what a what a different lifestyle the football or sports lifestyles are. So didn't know it at the time. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like with with college, you know, obviously it's very competitive, especially at Clemson, obviously a great school, a great football school. But when they go to the NFL or we've heard at least from different stories of people when they go to the NFL, it's so different because that's like their livelihood. And then you're not in college anymore. You don't have like your friends and you're not doing your own thing like you're you're adults. And this is like his life. And it becomes a lot more about football than balancing football in school. So what was that transition like when he did go to the NFL? And what was it like for you and him? Yeah. So um, he was drafted by the 49ers. So we went all the way from South Carolina to California, <laughs> which I mean, when you're young without children, I mean, it's an adventure. And looking back at that time, I mean, it was so fun. We made so many amazing memories, but you're exactly right. You go from, you know, a student athlete where it's just, you know, kind of a fraternity and it's fun. It's a brotherhood to a business yeah. where, you know, your coworkers, yeah, you know, they're brothers, they were close, but they're also, you know, out for your job too. And so even like the wives that you meet, you know, you're all kind of in competition with each other, but our years in California were amazing. We had 
such a good group of NFL families that we're still close with to this day. But I think what really helped in that transition is I worked full-time still. I mean, I'm still with that company actually, but I worked in the office. And so I had a really great community of coworkers myself. And so I think that really helped the transition because we still kept our own identities and I still had support from not just a football world, but I had my own little world that I created, community that I created out in California. Yeah, that's amazing because a lot of the time the transition is super difficult because you get Mm -hmm. pulled from that reality that you've been living for several years. So it sounds like you figured it out right at the beginning, which is incredible. And with the job opportunity, I heard you say that you still have that job and that's very similar to my journey. I still have my current role from when I was at a certain university, but with that, I didn't go to school for that. So chemical engineering, how did you get to this role that you're doing now? And what was that process like? Because you're not using your major per se. No, no, you're exactly right. I'm not doing any active engineering, which thank goodness I probably couldn't do any of that stuff anymore. But I had worked for as an engineer in Brandon's last season at Clemson. And it was super demanding, super stressful. I mean, you know, I was working crazy hours and then driving back home to Clemson every weekend to see him for games and all that. So when he first got his job out in California with the Niners, I said, I want to work, but I don't want a job that is so stressful. That's going to be taking away from me and that I'm going to be, you know, losing my sense of self, which is kind of what happened with that first engineering job out of the gate. So when doing that, the 49ers actually had a philanthropy dinner and they were donating a check to this nonprofit that was STEM education. I said, you know what? Engineering, I was one of the few women in my engineering class. It's kind of right up my alley because I have such a passion for, you know, enabling women or minority to get into these STEM careers that they don't sometimes know that they have the opportunity for. So that's how I stumbled upon that role. And so, yeah, I've been there for going on nine years now. And although I don't do any engineering, I'm able to still fulfill that sense of purpose. I'm able to still do some of that analytical stuff. I do a lot of the data systems for the nonprofit. So it definitely, it was a blessing and I'm so grateful to still have the opportunity to work for them, especially remotely the last, I think six years I've been working remote way before COVID. That's awesome. I feel like that's the best when people are like, yeah, I've been with my company working remotely before remote was even like a real thing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. Okay, well, you guys can't see but behind her, she's got a couple different jerseys on the wall. So I'm assuming you guys didn't stay at the 49ers the whole time that he was in the that's NFL. So, <laughs> so I always love to hear about the NFL journey just because it's so different being, you know, a player's significant other than a coach's significant other, which I'm sure you've now realized. But I want to yeah. talk about the NFL journey. I want to hear all about your journey, where you guys went to, how were the moves? Give us the, give us the tea. Sure. Sure. So we started in California, as you know, and so we were there for, I think a little over two years and I was four months pregnant with our first child. And, um, it was preseason and he hadn't played in the last preseason game. And we're like, okay, we know that (laughs) that's not a good sign because normally, you know, And so, of course, that next morning, he gets a call that he's traded to Detroit. And so his plane was that afternoon. I mean, they don't give you, hey, you're going to fly out next week. It's like, hey, you're going to fly out this afternoon and we have a game on Thursday. So you have three days to learn a whole new playbook, a whole new offense. And so I don't know how you do it if you don't have a significant other, because who else, you know, takes care of the house and the cars and the move and all of that craziness. So that was stop number two is Detroit. I won't talk much about that. That was a that was not our favorite place to be or live or play. 
but we were there for two years. He was actually on the practice squad there. And then they would like release him and pick him up and release and pick him up. And long story short, we um, he ended up getting released and the Jags signed him. And so that's where we spent the last three years of his career in Jacksonville. Um, and we loved Jacksonville, great community. You know, he loved his teammates. And so that's where he finished his career. And so that brings us to 2020. And just to kind of wrap it up, he ended with three surgeries within a month. Oh and I'm God. thinking, like, God, like they were done. God, give him a sign. Like we're done. Like I'm done. This, this football life, this is, you know, this is yeah. it. I guess the football playing life, I should say. And so he ended up being hospitalized and you know, all that. So after three surgeries and he said, well, I can still play. And I said, I think we're done. And so that was COVID year. And so he spent a whole year at home kind of thinking maybe someone will sign me. But after, you know, being in the league for seven years and with three injuries, you're old and you're injured. So unfortunately that was it for him. But with that opened up a brand new chapter, new doors. So, I mean, I think the timing was, was definitely right. Yeah. yeah. I want to touch on being hurt because we we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast and I just want to hear your perspective. Like, were you watching the games that he got hurt in? Was it like pass injuries? Because I just want to hear like what was going through your mind at that time. Sure. And my husband's probably, if he, when he listens to this, he'd be like, man, you, you said all that on the podcast, but <laughs> the truth is it was in December. It was right around my birthday and he was actually having some memory issues. And so and I remember questioning him and he was like, couldn't get the story straight. And then I'm worried, like what's going on. And then I remember seeing in bed that night, actually Googling, like, why can't I keep my memory straight or remember things or something along that lines. And so then that's when I started praying. I'm like, God, like football is not, you know, this is not forever. And if this is causing harm to my husband, please like give us a sign being really vulnerable here. Yeah, no, I love <laughs> so, it. And so literally three days later, he had extreme pain in his knee. And we're like, well, what's going on? And so long story short, he, he had had his knee drained, I think a day or two prior, but he had an infection. So he was septicemic oh. and was in the hospital for a week. They had to go in surgery, clean out his knee, had to go in for another surgery to re-clean out the knee. Um, he had to be on a pick line antibiotic for a month. So a nurse came to our house every morning to change his IV. So that was the end of his career. And I can't help but think, you know, that wasn't a sign that, you know what, you know, it's time to hang up the cleats because, you know, it's not, nothing's worth the injury. Yeah. And so then after the antibiotic, we knew he was going to need soldier surgery at the end of the season, but we had to wait till all of that was done. And then once that was done, he had his uh, labrum surgery and then we drove home and that was it. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. gosh. That's wow. a lot. That is crazy. And then we, we drove home. So we've always had this house in South Carolina where we're currently at. And we drove home from his surgery in Jacksonville. Wow. He, he was discharged. And I'm like, we're going home. <laughs> we're, we're going we're all done. the way. <laughs> we're not stopping. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. No. He's like so drugged. He's like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, he was along for the ride yeah. at that point. I'm like, this is what we're doing. He wakes up. He's like, where am I? Yeah. yeah. Here's your new home. Yeah. <laughs> First off, thank you, because we know that that's not easy to share and, and talk through all that. So we appreciate you putting that all out there. I just had a couple of thoughts come through and being supportive and trying to balance both being supportive, but then in the back of your mind being terrified of what the new chapter is. I think that'd be such a battle mentally. And then seeing your husband have his mental health affected by this too. So how did you be supportive, but then also try to keep calm yourself? Because I know that that would have a huge impact during that chapter. 
Yeah. I think I've like kind of blocked out a lot of that <laughs> yeah. in my life. I'm like thinking back now, but I do remember feeling such guilt, like almost like it was my fault. I remember being super upset about that. And I, I remember picking up the phone and calling one of my close friends who's also in the football world and has been such a mentor to me and being like, you know, I know it's not my fault, but I feel like it's my fault. And this is still his hope and dream and goal. And, he, you know, he's not done playing because he doesn't think he fulfilled that chapter yet in his life. Yet I was wishing for it to end. And here we are. Mm hmm. So um, it was definitely a big mental battle. And then, you know, COVID happened and that brought its own, you know, weird weirdness, we'll just say. And so that whole year was okay. And then once he realized, okay, so 2021 is when he's like, okay, no one picked me up, I'm done. And then he's like, well, what's my next step? What's my purpose? What am I going to do? And I still think, you know, I was just supporting him in whatever he wanted to do. But I still think there was a lot, like I was more emotional than he was mm -hmm. just feeling like, I don't know, I, I just put a lot of blame on myself and he was struggling mentally too. Like, okay, well, what do I do next? Yeah. So it was tough. It yeah. was, it was a definitely tough part of my life. And I think from other coaches or, or players, wives that I've talked to that transition from playing into your next chapter, whether it be coaching or whether it be, you know, just being around with your family more, it's definitely a tough transition from everyone that I've talked to. Yeah. I was just going to ask about that transition because I played and coached for a bit and so did, so did my significant other. And so I always ask him, I'm like, do you miss playing more or do you like coaching more? And I think it's that hard part. Like right when you first start coaching, you're like, what the heck am I doing? I miss being out there, but then you kind of settle in and a lot yeah. of people like coaching more. So how does he feel now versus when that first transition happened? I mean, he is so happy now. I'll say right before so to, to keep with the timeline, 2020, he didn't, not to say he did nothing, but that was kind of a limbo year. Mm -hmm. um, he just was working out every day and rehabbing because he just had that shoulder surgery. And then 2021, he's like, okay, I think I'm done. And he's like, I really want a GA at Clemson. Like that was his goal. And so he called Coach Sweeney and he was like, I don't have any positions here, but you, you know, there's a position to O-line coach at a local high school, which is great football program. One of the top, I mean, they won the state championships, one of the top in the state. And so he's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And it, but in the back of his mind, like it still wasn't enough. So he also got his real estate license. And so he was doing that. So he was, you know, investing and he was selling. And, and, and so there was that whole transition. And I think that was giving him fulfillment. And then obviously a year after that, he got asked to GX Clemson, which has always been his dream and goal. So I think being able to get there, which is always what he said he wanted to do. Even yeah. when he was in college, he said, I'm going to play in the league. But I'm done playing in the league. I want a GA at Clemson and then be a football coach wherever that takes me. And so I think because that goal came to fruition, like he's he's so in his element now. He's so happy. He's so exhausted. <laughs> happy. So it's such a good thing to share because everyone's background is so different on how they get to where they are in that next chapter. And so it's so neat to hear where his mindset was. He's like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep pushing and try something new. And even if it is real estate, it was very temporary because he had that goal in his mind of the end goal of being a GA at Clemson, which is amazing. So now we're on track with the timeline, but yeah. your kiddos have seen and been through a lot of transition more than most kids probably will ever experience in their life. So how did the motherhood, the beginning of all that in the sports industry, what was that like? And what's some advice that you could give someone that's a new mom? Yeah. So my kids have seen it all from, well, some of my kids, not my, my two-year-olds, but um, my oldest has seen her daddy play to being home all the time, spending so much time with her for that one year 
to being gone quite a bit and then to being gone all the time, which is where we're at now. So my only advice is to try to make those special moments when you can. A lot of times it comes with sacrificing, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice in in the football world, but as a mom, sometimes you have to sacrifice to make sure, hey, let's go to see daddy at work because sometimes that's the only time they're going to see them that week. Mm -hmm. So, So that's my advice is find that special time where you can have, whether it's at work or at home or just church on Sunday mornings or whatever it can be and make sure your kids get as much time with your dad as well with their dad as they can because <laughs> yeah. it's tough and, and there's a lot on their plate so it's not always easy for them to schedule on there but but that's one thing that I've tried to really do this year yeah and then with like the schedule part of it have you noticed a very big difference between the NFL and college so I think like that's what I was expecting I was expecting like okay when he played in the NFL he was super busy and like there's no flexibility right like you're on their timetable mm-hmm. But when he played, like he was home every night at a decent hour. So maybe dinner was a bit later, but like he'd be home by 637. And then weekends, obviously he'd be gone for games at the hotel, but he'd get usually at least a day off a week. And then the college football life yeah. is not quite that. It's yeah. much longer hours, no days off. You know, we really get Wednesday nights is family night that we all go see you know, all of the families are invited to go to, to see their husbands or dads at work. So we see them, him then, and then Sunday mornings, unless he gets in at six in the morning and has to be back at work, but that's really our only time during the week. So we try to make the most of that. Yeah. That's crazy. You know how it is. It's yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah. But I always think it's interesting hearing like from the NFL perspective, like as a player, significant other to like the world that we're in right now, which is college football coaching, because it's just, you don't think that it's that crazy. And you're like, oh, you know, like the kids are, they have an off day, but the coaches don't have an off day. No, yeah. no. And I never realized that when we were in it playing, yeah. like so you have a whole new appreciation for how much work football coaches, even at the high school level, Yeah, you know, not quite the same, but I mean, they've sacrificed so much time and put so much work into it. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how you just said you go with your kiddos and you go and see dad and you're able to spend time with him on, did you say Sunday? So Sunday mornings, usually they don't have to be until like noonish. Sometimes there's a window Sunday, but on Wednesday afternoons, Clemson is really, really great with including families in as much as we as they can. I mean, really we could go any day we wanted, but Wednesdays is their designated family dinner day. So after practice gets out at 6 PM on Wednesdays, all the kiddos are there. All the spouses are there. I mean, it's just a great big chaos of kids running around. And honestly, I think my kids like to see the other football kids more than their daddy because it's more fun, but we get to spend time and eat dinner with him. And then we go home and he goes back to meetings and, you know, he comes home later that night, Yeah, but it's wonderful. Yeah. It really, I mean, my kids are the favorite part of their week because they get to go see daddy. So that's oh, so that's, cool. That's so neat. And from the outside with Clemson as a program, that is what it's known for is having that family atmosphere. And so with that, what are some things that you could share that you are super proud to be a part of in the program and just just sharing how it is held true to that name of the family atmosphere? Yeah, no, I mean, even from day one. So Ironically, I think it was today's date last year that Brandon got his call. I'm almost positive it was December 10th. It was a sun. Anyway, so it was, it was this weekend last yeah. year. And so from the get-go of Brandon getting the job, I remember there were so many events because it was around the holidays and before bowl game. And so like all the families were invited to go to this amusement park and all the families were invited to go to see Santa on the roof at Coach Sweeney's house. So 
even from the get-go, like there were so many family events and not always during the craziness of the season, but now that we're in between, you know, AC the championship and the bowl game, there's a lot of little activities that the kids get to do. But I mean, even throughout the summer, I mean, parties, pool parties, days at the lake, whenever there's downtime to include family and kids, we're always invited to go. So it really is special. And you can, I have nothing to compare it to, but just that family atmosphere, I think has really helped our transition and adjustment to the college football world. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. I feel like it's so unique to hear all of the different perspectives too from different levels and teams because everyone does thing di- things differently. And so it's cool to kind of get to see things and then know in the future like, hey, I might want to like introduce that at my next school or whatever. It's kind of cool that you get to like pick up different things at each place. But we want to talk about you for a little bit because mm-hmm. we've been talking about football for a lot, which I know this kind of has to do with football, but <laughs> you ended up writing a children's book, which is so cool. And I want to hear about the process process of that. Give us the rundown on what it is about. Sure, sure. So I wrote one book back in 2020 and it was kind of on a whim and I never thought I'd ever write another children's book. But, you know, this started back in August. It happened pretty quickly and Brandon was away at camp. I was going through some medical stuff myself. My kids were going back to school. So as you all know, I mean, it's a different illness every week. And <laughs> like we were just run down as a family and my kids were like, where's daddy? Like, where's daddy? We're missing daddy. And it's like, Oh, well, daddy must be at football. And so it was like a really tough part in our life back in August. And so one thing that I love to do is write poetry. And so from time to time, you know, when I'm stressed or in my feelings, you know, I'll pick up a pen and, and write something. So I was like, you know, I'm going to write a poem for my kids to basically be like, you know, this is daddy's, you know, job and this is what he does, but this is some of the cool stuff that comes along with it. And, and, So that's how it started. So my second book is called My Daddy is a Football Coach. So I wrote it back in August and knew very quickly I wanted to publish it this season. Um, I almost didn't tell my husband I wanted a surprise for him, but I couldn't keep the surprise that long. (laughs) So I found an illustrator off of Instagram, actually, and she is phenomenal. Melissa Lettuce. She was so incredible to work with and bring my rough clip art PowerPoint to (laughs) life. And so I published self-published through Amazon. And so within just, you know, a matter of three, four months, I have a second children's book. And then I realized, Hey, you know, the NFL life and the college football or high school football life is, is pretty similar where it comes to, from a kid's point of view. So I modified a couple of images and modified a couple words. And we have a spinoff, very similar book, but a spinoff book. My daddy is a football player since, you know, those, Mm -hmm. those kids whose parents are, are still playing can relate to a lot of, a lot of the same things too. Wow. I think that's so cool because it's a very unique children's book, of course, and that is something that kiddos can get and relate to. So it's, it's very cool. And with the process, so you write all of the children's book and then what comes next? So just walk us through what a step-by-step looks like, because we know that you didn't just say, Hey, here's some illustration ideas (laughs) and here's, you know, my poetry that's turned into a book. So what did that look like? Yeah. So I wrote the poem and then I was like, you know what? I want to make this into a book for my kiddos. That's really what it was intended for and, and everybody else as well, but really for my kiddos. And so I went on Instagram and looked up hashtag children's book illustrator (laughs) and I would scroll and the ones that I would like to the styles of art that I would like, I would message and would say, Hey, I'm looking for a children's book illustrator. Quick, you know, summary of my book is about this. I want it done by this date. Is this something you're interested in? And then I narrowed it down to maybe a dozen illustrators 
And then alongside that, I have to do a storyboard. So I have to actually figure out, well, how many pages, what do I want on each page? Do I want a full page? Do I want just a spot illustration? So there's all these thoughts that go into it. And so once I narrowed it down to 12, and then I was able to say, hey, it's X pages, a cover of this, of that, what's your rough quote? So then I got the quotes and I weeded out the ones that were too expensive. And so then once I narrowed it down to, I think about five, I asked for a character sketch. So I paid for them all to sketch the main character of my book, which I, which is kind of the little boy, but I had him sketch the coach. Um, and gosh, y'all, you should have seen some of these illustrations. I wish I could pull some up. One actually took a clip art of my husband's head and put it on their, their sketch of the body. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> Like a character, like where it's like they sit and draw the really big head and then the tiny body. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, it looked so disproportionate, but it was literally just like he he cut out an actual photo because I gave a photograph of inspiration. Right. <laughs> and he literally, I think his first one wasn't what I was looking for. I said, oh, sorry, that's not what I want. He goes, oh, I can do it. You know, I said, well, I want a little bit more realistic. And that was realistic. And that was too <laughs> realistic. <laughs> so so anyways, I, I found, I narrowed it down to my one illustrator who she was phenomenal to work with. She did such a good job. And so then we met, we walked through my storyboard and um, obviously I gave her some creative liberties too, because she's the artist. I, you know, I only have the ideas that are in my head. Yeah. And so she helped transform some of my pages and, you know, really helped me with like, well, the color should be more like this because the mood and the this. And so she was awesome to work with. And then she did the text for me as well, the text layout and she gave me the final book and we had my editor look through it and then we upload it to Amazon and that's pretty much it. Sounds wow. easy and for the most part it is. <laughs> so is it an online book only or is it you can buy it? Nope. Nope. It's okay. a it's a paperback book okay. and you can order it online through Amazon um, or you can go through my website, ColleenThomasBooks.com. Okay. Okay. Perfect. We'll link that in the show notes as well. But my brother is a writer and my dad and my brother have self-published his books. They created their own little thing. And I know it's a process, which is why I was like, is it like you have to send it to the printers and get it all printed and everything and you have like the physical books? Through Amazon, you can publish through, it's called KDP. Think Kindle Direct Publishing. Mm -hmm. I'm probably getting that wrong. By doing that, you don't have to order. You don't have to pre-order copies and have physical copies at home. They print on demand. So they'll print and ship whoever orders it. And so, you know, you'll get your book within three to five days. So I don't have to worry about any stock or any, you know, that's awesome. That is cool. Pre-orders to figure out how many I need printed. Yes, because I couldn't handle that. <laughs> no, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible though. But if someone wants to purchase your book, what is your goal or intent? Like after they give it to their kid, what was your, what's like a blanket statement that you would say, I hope that you read this and feel what? I hope that you read this and feel special. If you're a coach's kid or a kid in the football world, I hope that you feel special because being a football kid is such a unique and special role. And if you're not a coach's kid or a football player's kid and you're just a football fan, I hope that you feel in, in, inspired. I hope that you see you know, how much sacrifice goes into the football world and have a new appreciation for that. So are we going to be starting like a series or what's like our next step with the books? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I never intended to write any children's book, let alone three. So I guess if inspiration hits, maybe there'll be another one. But really, my goal is just to share this with as many people as possible. And um, I would love to give back to, you know, students and, and children in the area as well. That is one thing that I did with my first book, I was able to donate 200 copies to homeless shelters to the children's, uh, not children's museum to the children's hospital and to title one schools. And so I'd love to do the same with this book, especially around this time of year in the holidays. So that's one of my big goals. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, we asked this question at the end of every single interview. So if you could go back in time and tell your younger self just getting started in this industry, one thing you know now, what would you say? I think one thing that I would have told my younger self is it is okay to raise your white flag and say you can't do it all. I think when I was younger, and even now still at times, like I would try to be at every game, at every event with the cutest outfit and with it, you know, I tried to do it all. And I think, you know, you can still be involved and you can still be a super supportive wife, but it's okay to not go to every single game if you can't. It's okay to not go to every single event if you can't, because life happens and there's a whole lot more in life outside of football, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. So I would definitely tell my younger self that you don't have to do it all. Yeah, that's a good answer. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with all of the community. And we'll definitely link your book in the show notes. And if anybody wants to give you a follow and um, check out your journey, where are you at on Instagram so that they can search you? Yes, my Instagram handle is call.thomas312. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you to everyone that's listened and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast or on TikTok at more than a season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.